But there is a 12 seed that I know our next person loves that I've... This 12 seed I've, I've fallen out of love with. I, I gave him the rose on the first day, but I'm sending him home after a, a few days, and I, I just don't love him anymore. Yes, I just made, for some reason... A reference to The Bachelor. I don't think our next guest will be doing that. Joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline, Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is the sports wagering wizard, Mark Drumheller. Uh, Mark, there seems to be a 12 seed that you still really like that uh, I think I've fallen out of love with. Yeah, I guess you're talking yourself out of Winthrop. Huh? I am. Uh, I, yeah, I think I've, I've fully talked myself out of here. it. I warned you about this. I know. You know what? I think you're... Yeah, you, you're right. <laughs> you're letting the local team, I think, kind of the local pride seep into the decision-making here. No, I don't know if it's local pride or it's just because I... It's not local pride, I guess. It is local ties. And I know locally that Villanova is really good. And so I don't want to get away or think that, you know, that they're going to lose to a team like Winthrop but all of a sudden become really bad after a Gillespie injury. So yeah, maybe, I, I do agree. I could have a little bit of the blinders on for that. But I do see still a lot that I like from Villanova, and I, I think their guard play is good enough against Winthrop. But you obviously are seeing something else. So I obviously, as we do with the tournament, I hear about a million different sides to every game and every matchup because well, I have fun doing it, and that's how I base my bets off of. Probably not recommended, but I want to know, why are you still, now a couple of days, I'm off Winthrop, why are you still on them? Yeah, I mean, nothing's changed to change my mind, to be honest with you. it's I still think that they're a very talented, balanced team. They do all the little things. They crash the glass. They're going to come in hungry. You know, they, listen, they, they good ball movement. They distribute the ball well for double-digit scores. Um, they're a winning team. You know, twenty three and one on the year. They, you know, I think they're coming in here with a lot of confidence that they can make some noise, and they smell blood in the water. And to be honest with you, I think Villanova is the opposite. You know, they're, you know, uh, backs against the wall, and I'm not sure they know how to respond. And I don't know if they have the confidence that they can respond. I think this is a real tough task for for Jay Wright in this situation, and I think it's a it's similar situation to where we think that hey, like. This is Villanova. They're going to snap out of it. It's the tournament. You know, okay, they're the better team. They should win. But I don't know if they believe they're the better team. I don't know if they believe in themselves at all right now. Well, that's the problem is trying to figure out if... And I thought there was improvement from the Providence game to the Georgetown game. It was a loss, so the result's the same. But I thought there was improvement enough to make me think that there could be more improvement come tournament time, and that will be good enough to beat a team like Winthrop. Uh, but you're you're thinking that it this is more the the, the problems that they have are, are kind of too far gone and not really fixable. Yeah, I don't know if mentally they're they're counting moral victories at this point. Like little bitty improvement. Like they know that the, the rug got pulled out for them. There's some unfortunate things that happened, and and that's pretty much their season. So I don't know if how they're going to respond to that. To be honest with you, and that's really what it comes down to is the mentality of both teams. And I think they're running into. You know, a team here that I, I think, again, you know, is does all the little things right, and they're going up against a team that I don't think has a lot of confidence right now, and I think it's going to play out. I mean, I think Winthrop could easily win this game outright, um, you know, much less the points. And, I, you know, I think they, Winthrop could even make some noise in the second round. Wow, okay, that is something we'll definitely get to then. Uh, before we continue more into March Madness and the NCAA Tournament, uh, Mark Drummeller, we got a pretty good game with the Sixers and Nets here. We'll get to your other NBA bet, too, that didn't go too well. I have to bring it up, though, because of the team that you bet on. 
89-87 ball game. The Sixers are down by two against the Knicks with five minutes left. Now, I thought the Sixers were uh, kind of too high of a favorite coming into this game because I think they were baking in there the back-to-back and the long road trip. But I think it was a little bit too much of an adjustment to that, and the Sixers are way too high of a favorite. But we're getting a good matchup here with the Sixers and Net, uh, Knicks. Excuse me. Uh, th- this Sixers team has actually been really impressive. With Joel Embiid out, we thought that they would fall apart. They really haven't. No, they're a little bit deeper than what we've seen in years past. And think about it. If you look back at last year, it was every time Embiid wasn't on the floor, that you know the other team goes on a run, even in the games that they played, right? So they were completely lost without Embiid. And that's how it's been the past couple, last couple of years under Brett Brown. So much deeper team this year. And, uh, you know, it's good to see them, you know, come together and be able to put in, a, you know, a decent performance without Embiid hanging in there against the Knicks team. It's been pretty hot um, as of late. But, uh, you know, as far as the Sixers, I think at any time at home, you're paying a tax almost with them just because of how well they typically play at home. And I think that that's really when you look at playing them um, in a home matchup, that's really what you have to analyze is, is like, does this number really make sense in the situation? Or is it just they know that they're going to beef it up, especially locally? Um, you know, that number is going to be inflated because they're going to be pulling in a ton of money just because they're home. Man, Tobias Harris, I just got to point this out. Both Tobias Harris and Seth Curry, unbelievable in the second half. Uh, Tobias Harris had 13 points going into the half, has 22 now in the ball game, 9 to 17. Just dished out a nice assist to Seth Curry, who did not have a good first half, but now has 20 points, 4 of 6 shooting from downtown, 7 to 12 from the floor. He's picked it up. Ben Simmons, another solid game all around, 16 points, 7 assists, 7 boards, 8 of 12 shooting. This is a pretty good team, Mark. I, I, we always want to kind of point out the all right. Well, they might be a player away, all of that. But I, I'm going. I, I'm convincing myself more that even if they don't make a move, I still think the Sixers. The chance is a little bit less, but this Sixers team is still one of the best, if not the best, in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I think they're second best as is. You know, right behind Brooklyn, and I think you know to be honest with you, even if they make a move, they might end up being second best behind Brooklyn. I think Brooklyn's that good when you hold the kind of star power that the Nets have. Right. Yeah. Um, but make no mistake about it, the Nets don't want to play the Sixers in the playoffs. They don't want the Sixers to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals um, just because of, you know, the huge advantage that they'll have inside on defense and then underneath with Embiid. Right. The, the Sixers against the Nets just have to have a couple of good shooting nights to probably win that series. Now, the thing is, the Sixers are a very streaky shooting team, and it usually comes when they're only at home in the Wells Fargo Center. So if they have any kind of misstep at home in a series against the Nets and Sixers as they stand right now, that becomes a very small margin of error. But still, the great equalizer is always going to be Joel Embiid and the Nets still don't have anybody that can guard Embiid, and there is nobody that they can pick up, not even Andre Drummond, that is going to give Embiid any problems when he does come back uh, healthy for the Sixers. He is still going to be a huge nightmare for any team, and especially the Brooklyn Nets. We're talking with Mark Drumheller, our sports wagering wizard here on The Gambler. He's joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Follow him at X underscore Drumheller. So you had another NBA bet in, Mark, and we talked about it a little bit. What, what went wrong? What'd you do? Yeah, the Celtics let me down. It serves me right, you know, trying to take the Celtics, but I thought it was a real good spot. Um, you know, typically this season they've played real well at home off a road game, and then you have a Utah team coming in on the road, um, you know, all the way from Utah. And, you know, they and Utah 
it only covered three of their last nine matchups. So it was just a spot play that I thought I could take advantage, get a quick win. Um, ended up backfiring on me. So not a good night tonight, but, you know, hey, we brush those off and we get right back at it. So I've been running a little hot, you know, up in two tonight. So, you know, I'll take my losses and come back at them tomorrow swinging. Yeah, so what has been going well for you? I know FCS, uh, another weekend in the books there. How did that go? NHL, uh, what what has been hitting for you lately? Yeah, we're 3-0 NHL last night. And, uh, oh, nice, you know, nice. FCS. FCS was uh, was a winning week, two and one. So it was it was a fun weekend, uh, you know, to be able to conquer the FCS that way. Uh, you know, things went right. It's it's funny because it didn't start well. The one game that I got wrong, seventh ranked Nichols State ended up losing seven seventy one to seventeen. Jeez. I had them. I had the completely wrong side, but it was a it was a huge blowout. It was a huge game. It almost playoff implications this early between the seventh and twelfth ranked team. And uh, Nickel State came out, scored a touchdown early, went up seven nothing, and it was all downhill, seventy one to seventeen. So that was that was a crazy game. Uh, but we got the other two right, so we hit the other right. We had Lamar, which was a fourteen and a half point dog win outright against McNeese State. Uh, we were on that, and then we had Southern Illinois. The Salukis were a small dog against Northern Iowa. They won outright as well. So we had two dogs that hit outright. Um, and we had one small dog that got the doors blown off and pretty much got their season ended because they're going to have a hard time getting an at-large bid with that kind of loss on their record. Again, we're talking with Mark Drumheller, and I do want to switch over to uh, a little bit more college basketball. Actually, some hockey action tonight. Uh, first of all, let's start with the Flyers. Um, they got the win last night. If feeling any more confident about them? A little bit. You want to see them get those wins. It's almost like just stopping the bleeding, right? Am I confident because we beat the Rangers in overtime in a game where we had several leads that we blew? No. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't inspire a ton of confidence. But if we lost, it would have been that much more worse, right? So, oh, yeah. You know, the fact that we didn't lose is almost, you know, a, 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 it's almost like addition by subtraction. You know what I mean? Like, thank God, you know, we didn't get that loss on our record. Um, because that would have been tough to bounce back, especially, you know, they're putting pucks in the net and for the defense to let them down like that, if they're to walk away without that win in overtime, that would have been tough. But was on the Flyers' money line, got the cash, and, uh, you know, hopefully that starts to build them a little bit of confidence. So it's been a while since I've looked at the division odds and been able to talk about it here on the line change. Fox Sports The Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. Um, it's Things have changed a lot, and the division that's changed mostly is the one that the Flyers are in. The Islanders are the favorite. It's been the Bruins at the start of the season, and for most of it, they've looked terrible as of late. The Islanders continue to win. Washington continues to win. They just got another win tonight against the New York Islanders. I mean, we're we're starting to get kind of deeper into the season here. I think we're we're just about over the halfway point, right? So, I mean, what are we looking at here in the East Division uh, for in terms of winner? And could we find any value in a play here for the East Division odds? Yeah, I'm not sure yet because I think what we're seeing is, is <clears throat> you know, the teams are kind of starting to settle in, you know, and, and it's a shortened season. So, you know, it's not going to have the same arc that it would a typical year, only playing 56 games. Um, but you're really starting to see, I think, teams kind of take shape. And, you know, you're seeing, you know, after Boston's great start, they're kind of tailing off a little bit. Like you said, they're letting some other teams in there, Washington heating up a little bit. So um, you really got to let it play out. Like as far as like a future thing, probably like, hey, maybe right before the playoffs, take a stab or something. But right now I think there's too much volatility, too much uncertainty right now to really have a solid edge um, with any of these teams. 
Yeah, and what which team are you kind of leaning on here? If you were to lean away, I guess not just for the East Division odds, but a team that you do think, like, this is for real. Maybe the way the, the Capitals are playing, the Islanders. Maybe you think the Bruins get back on track. Is there a team still in the East that uh, you've seen lately that you go, okay, I think this is still the team in the East that I like? Yeah, well, I think it, it might come down to stamina, like for these teams. And if it does, I, you know, I do like the Bruins to get back on track because anytime you can play defense, and you know, I think that kind of helps you, especially in a seven-game series, if you have the ability to shut down the other team. We always talk about how you know goalies get hot and how that can kind of carry a team. Um, Boston has that type of defense to where you know if they can lock a team down. Obviously, if they straighten out what they're doing now, we have to see how they respond to you know um, you know this dip uh, you know that they're on, but. I think that, you know, you want to, might want to look at defensive teams as we get closer into the playoffs. Not good for our Flyers, right? But, good for the Islanders? Um, I, I just, yeah, possibly. You know what I mean? Possibly. But, um, you know, I think it really might come down to stamina because they had to restart and then they're right back at it, you know, with the season. Um, so you have to wonder how stamina is going to come into it. And I think if you have tired teams, I think the defensive teams probably have an advantage there. Hey, maybe that's something we also look at for the NCAA tournament, which, of course, that is the main focus here for this week as we get ready for first-round action coming in just a few days Friday. The play-in game's on Thursday, uh, but the first round starting on Friday. The play-in game's, though, I will start there. Uh, is there uh, a plays that you like? Are there multiple, just one? I know for me right away, I'm hammering Michigan State over and over and over again. I want to say the same for Drake, but I think I'm going to wait a little bit to, to really see what I feel about that one. Uh, but play-in games, any, anything you'd like here for, for those four matchups? I like Michigan State. I, you know, and I'll, probably, I'll probably stay away from the other ones, but it's just, you know, Michigan State's been there before, more seasoned, you know, UCLA, you know, Pac-12 team. Like, you know, it, it just seems almost like it's too easy. Um, and I think sometimes when it is, it is. You know what I mean? And you just take it and run with it. Kind of like Winthrop, right? But, uh, you know, Michigan State, <laughs> I, I love how you that snuck that in there. <laughs> but Michigan State, you know, Izzo, you know, I, I got to go with them right there. I mean, I, I think that that's really the play. But these other playoff games, uh, these other playing games, I'll probably just sit back and enjoy, um, you know, and kind of wait until, you know, the real action starts on Friday. So it's fair to say you're a, you're a numbers guy, right? You, you like looking at the numbers. Mm-hmm. So NCAA tournament seems to always be the the best best betting uh, avenue to do it with because there's so much of the NCAA tournament we have watched large sample sizes that we have. So what numbers do you look at as we're starting the NCAA tournament? The first thing you sit down and do is you're creating a bracket or picking teams. What what are you looking for when filling out a bracket? What are the numbers that put, stick out to you the most when picking teams come tournament time? Yeah, so I mean, uh, look at offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Um, they're probably like where you start. That's kind of like your foundation. And when you're looking at upsets, you, you try and look at, you know, matchups where, you know, a team's a strength, you know, the underdog's strength, you know, might actually be able to play. You know, if a team has a very strong offense and a very poor defense, but they're playing a team that doesn't really shoot well, the defense might not come in handy. If they're hot, they could end up scoring kind of make some hay so you kind of look at the matchups that way um and then obviously like you build in down to like three-point shooting three-point defense um all those things free throws ability to get to the foul line there's a couple go-to sites that i have um that i look at some metrics just in trying to kind of you know give an idea of how the game could go 
Um, obviously, they call it March Madness for a reason, so it's a little tougher to predict than <laughs> you might think. You know, it's not all in the numbers, but, um, you know, you want to look for an edge that way. Like, is it a good matchup for that underdog? Do they have a path to victory? Um, you know, some of these games, whenever you have a 60, you know, 18 field or whatever, there's there's going to be games. You're going to have your ones and 16s and twos and 15s where there's just no path. Right. And you just know that it's either, you know, you're going to play the favorite and lay a ton of points or you're just going to stay off it because um, the underdog's really not going to be competitive. But when you get into these, you know, seven, tens, eight, nine, you know, it's really about matchups at that point. You want to look at, you know, if you can find an underdog with a high variance in a certain um, spot, whether it's offense or defense, if that plays well against their opponent then, you know, that's a spot where you might want to take the points and maybe sprinkle a little bit on the money line as well. So with that being said, you look at offensive, defensive efficiency, all these other things that you look at. Have you been able to kind of find teams that you really like when you apply those numbers or, you know, when you're looking through the stat sheet, uh, it's jumping out at you? What are the few teams that are jumping out at you so far? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple dogs that I like. Um, You know, like I, I like Oregon State. Um, I think that they can make some noise against Tennessee. And that, that's just more of almost like a fade to Tennessee. Like Tennessee is not really a team that I buy. Um, but th- there's a couple dogs on here that I'm going to be playing as I fill out my bracket. You know, the main uh, thing is is just to try – I try not to get too carried away with the underdogs because, you know, when you're filling out your bracket, you know, you want to make sure if you're picking a bunch of underdogs, you, you know, the odds are they're not all going to hit and that's going to affect you later into rounds. So when you're building out that bracket – um, you know, you have to kind of be a little bit measured, uh, you know, in picking these underdogs so that you're not kind of sabotaging yourself later, you know, in, in the in the tournament. We're talking with Mark Drumheller, sports wagering wizard. You can follow him at X underscore Drumheller. Joining me on the Dr. Glatt Rieger, your hair line on the line change. Fox Sports the Gambler presented by Cure Auto Insurance. I'm sure. Have you filled out any brackets yet? Or are you one of those that just like to fill them out all the time, every time? No, no, no. I actually, I, I haven't filled it out. I'm kind of sketching it out now. I have, I have filled out one, but haven't haven't submitted it. So I kind of see where I'm going, and then I just kind of go back through the matchups, um, you know, and then I'll I'll get it in there tomorrow, and uh, you know, see what it looks like. But you know, I, I got some plays. We talked about the plays I have for the title. I was able to get Gonzaga at two fifty. Nice. Okay, I'll that's where I was about to go. That's good then. Yeah, so I'm able to hedge them with Houston. Um, so that's a play for the tournament winner there. Um, you know, hopefully Houston can pull through. But if not, if Gonzaga wins, you know, I still end up making money because I got them a plus 250. So I got good odds on them. Um, so that's uh, that's where I'm looking at for the winner. Um, how they're going to get there, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But, uh, you know, I think that they have a pretty easy path. We talked about that on Selection Sunday. Um, you know, as long as they can get through Illinois, um, I, you know, I think that will be a problem. But that's the main thing is, is where is Illinois, you know, going to fall? You know, how, how are they going to get through Illinois in that situation? And, you know, that's when, you know, your teams like um, San Diego State, you know, o- uh, Oklahoma State, you know, they could come in there and kind of, you know, make some noise and kind of trip them up. So what are some other teams I would say now that you've looked at and think, okay, I can get them for a deep run. Uh, that That's where I'm going to look, whether it's a lower seed, whatever it is. Uh, but is there kind of a team that you you think under the radar that could make a deep run? Um, under the radar, it, I think it's going to be kind of tough. I think Houston I could, could be classified as that, right? 
Excuse me? Houston could be classified as underrated or kind yeah, of under could. undervalue or under the radar. Yeah, yeah. I think Alabama is a team that could come in as a two and make it to the final four. Um, don't like Michigan coming out of there, so it could be Alabama um, could make their way. But, but when I ran through it, I pretty much had um, – you know, Houston, I think I had Alabama, and I think I had uh, – there was – oh, Arkansas. I think Arkansas can make some noise in the South. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, they're a team coming in red hot. Uh, you know, they get Colgate in the first round, then they get the winner of Texas Tech-Utah, so they should be able to continue um, to make some – you know, just be able to get into that Sweet 16. And, you know, I think they're a team that could make a run to the Final Four. So, But usually – you know, in, I don't think there's going to be any Cinderella team as far as like a, you know, a, a, a seed below, you know, six, you know, getting into the, the actual final four this year. I think it's pretty much going to be the top teams, but it's, uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, to see how it all plays out. And that's why I, I want to ask you about this because we like going to the futures market and I would love to take something in the futures market when it comes to the championship winner final four, but it gets really tough. But where I actually started, I think, to find some value is obviously when there's a, a wider net or at least there are more spots available to take, then you can possibly get a team at some good value. I think the Elite Eight futures market is the the right play, and you can get a lot of value in that. Just when you hear that, do you think you should be able to, can be able to, just uh, the, the futures market, how have you been able to find some value? I think to me, when I look at the Elite Eight and those bets, I think that's where I go, all right, now I can start. Now I, I have something to work with here. Yeah, well, I think you can even take it another step. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value in the Sweet 16, right? That's because also another one, yeah. See those upsets. Right, they typically happens. Like you see, like an eight knocking off a one, and it's like, oh, here's the big upset, March Madness, blah blah. Because you get later into, you know, that next round, it happens even less. You know what I mean? Like those Cinderella things kind of die, but you do see some of the top seeds get surprised. So, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, Winthrop, like you know, if they're able to get a win in the second round, they could sneak into the Sweet 16. Um, but you know, yeah, I would kind of attack it that way. Um, you know, just that sweet 16 market, because especially if you're looking for long shots, then I think that's your kind of best opportunity. Just bet one of those teams like Winthrop's, you know, plus 1100 to get to the sweet 16, only have to win two games, right? We know that they got a pretty good shot against Villanova. Even if you're not taking them, you know, you know that that's a winnable game for them. Um, and then, you know, all they have to do is kind of win that second round matchup and then boom, plus 1100, right? Second round matchup is Purdue and North Texas. So is it really that big of a stretch if Purdue gets by North Texas and Winthrop to, you know, beat Purdue? Plus 1,100, I think, is pretty good odds on that if you believe in Winthrop beating, you know, Villanova. So, um, you know, you have to kind of look at it that way. Look at your upsets and then think, hey, can they take it one step further? You know, Oregon's another team that I looked at with that, right? They'll get VCU. Um, you know, they'll beat VCU probably in advance to the second round, right, to get to the Sweet 16 you know, they're going to have to get through Iowa. Iowa's a team that I didn't like, right? We talked about that. I don't yeah. think that they're uh, anywhere near where they need to be defensively. And against an Oregon team, again, that's a team that can shoot the lights out if they have to. So, you know, they're a team that's plus 350 to get to the Sweet 16. So I think that's, you know, pretty good odds um, as far as them, you know, kind of getting the upset there over Iowa. 
And I guess the reasoning behind that as well, to say something like, and you're absolutely right, the Sweet 16 as well, it only takes a couple of games, you know, a couple of, of games to catch that magic, and you can get some pretty good plus money out of it. And a team like Winthrop exactly kind of fits your criteria there, uh, especially with the way that you think Winthrop can get past Villanova. Then, you know, why not take the shot on them getting past Purdue in the next round as well? And, and I think the reasoning behind it is because we know the top of the bracket and the top of the NCAA tournament, you know, the rankings is very top heavy. Like Gonzaga, Illinois, Baylor are just so good that it's hard to pick spots and teams. It's just not too large of a pool there to pick from and to get any value out of. I think where it kind of gets muddy and these teams are, you know, we've never gotten a good grip on what kind of these teams are and who's actually a top 25, top 15 team. And that's where you can kind of bet on that with the futures marking the Elite Eight and Sweet 16. So I feel like the the things that we know are true to be about this season uh, certainly hold up in the futures market in that the Final Four and Championship games are kind of unbettable. You're not getting much value, but you can get the value out of the Elite Eight and Sweet 16 because we know this, this season has been nuts outside of those top teams. Yeah, and even like, you know, you don't even have to do it with the long shots, right? Like, you can look at a team like Arkansas, who I said that I like, I think they might go into the final four, they might come out of that region, right? Well, just to get to the Sweet 16, they're plus 122. Oh, I like that. Wow, yeah. It's still plus money. You know what I mean? So you're getting them at plus money, and when you look at their path, you know, it's not tough at all. You know, they're a three seed, they get Colgate, and then they got to get the winner of Texas Tech, Utah State, and then boom, plus 122. So um, you don't necessarily have to take the long shots in that Sweet 16, but, uh, you know, you can kind of attack it to where, hey, you know, obviously you're one and two seeds. Those odds, there's not going to be much value at. But after that, if you find spots to where, you know, especially those three or four seeds where they might have like an easy path to win two games, uh, then, you know, you can kind of lock that in. I love it. It is fun talking NCAA tournament, especially with you, Mark. Uh, follow at X underscore Drumheller. I'm sure we're going to hear plenty more from you throughout the week. I'm sure you'll be on the daily ticket at some point, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking as well. Uh, one of the people that we'll be talking to most is you. NCAA tournament's all about numbers, and you come up with some of the best and know how to apply them better than most. Mark, thanks for joining me tonight, man. Can't wait to hear for, for uh, more from you this week. Sounds good, John. Thanks for having me. At X underscore Drumheller. Find him on Twitter, the Sports Wagering Wizard. 